Mary, the mother of Jesus. Here's how she's often portrayed. You you might recognize. So you you know this picture, right? Or something like it. It's kind of, Mary's usually, she's got the the blue and the white, all that kind of stuff. And I'm just going to tell you that this is so not my Mary. (laughs) This, at least in my imagination. My Mary came, has come to look like a young woman that I once, I knew. Her name, Sarah. Sarah showed up at my church um, one Sunday morning when I was serving up in Fargo, North Dakota. And she came to worship one one Sunday. And then, like I do, you know, if I I know somebody's come, I usually try to set up a, you know, go out to coffee or something to get to know them in the days or the weeks that follow that. And so I reached out to Sarah to see, and she wanted to get together. She wanted to get together right away. She lived only a couple blocks away from the church. And so we met at a neighborhood coffee place. And I'm going to tell you, it was, I will, this is one of those coffees that I will never forget. Uh, Sarah, she was super direct, really direct. So her boyfriend was in prison in Minnesota, and he was going to be getting out soon, and they were kind of planning to get married. Okay. Her mom was in prison too. It was a different prison, but. She was in prison, too, and she had no idea whether her, where her father was. And she was living at probably around, this is probably she was 19 years old, and she was living on Social Security disability. And she told me that she said, I want to be baptized next Sunday. I need church in my life. So I'd like you to baptize me next Sunday. She also then said, I'd also like you to be my Social Security representative payee, which, um, wow, yeah, I was like, well, that was, I was like, because she's, she's like, I have nobody. And Social Security had determined that she needed someone to make sure that her rent got paid and that she was having enough food. And so she said, you're a pastor, right? You shepherd. I need a shepherd. I was like, okay. All right. So Within that one hour, I had become Sarah's pastor, her representative payee, and we were doing a baptism next week. It was, that was big. That was big. And and so that, that following Sunday morning, I baptized her just days after I had met her. And she claimed the hope of a new life in Christ. As much as anyone I've ever known, she wanted a path to a better life. She wanted good news. She'd had a lot of bad news in her life, and she wanted good news. In fact, more than that, she wanted to be good news. She could also drive me nuts. (laughs) Now, if we take inclusivity seriously, that core value of Jesus— If we take the values of Jesus seriously, Sarah had become family. And no one can drive you nuts like family. Sure, there were those in that church community, frankly, they didn't want Sarah around. They didn't want her intruding on their social club, and they found plenty of ways to let her know. And that's on them. That's on them. That's not being church. But there were those who practiced the teachings. 
They invited Sarah over to their house, babysat for her, got to know her. Who was truly a neighbor, as Jesus would ask? Still, I'm going to tell you, Sarah's path was not straight or easy. Discipleship, if you take it seriously, it never is a straight path. There was the time that she called me from jail because an off-duty police officer had confronted her in the Walmart parking lot um, for shoplifting. And Sarah's response was to punch her in the face. Oh, oh yes, and there there was the time that the church office administrator, Penny, had heard a report on the radio that a toddler had fallen out of a window of a second floor apartment in in North Fargo. And I sat there and I thought, it's got to be Sarah. It's got to be. And yes, it was Sarah. Baby was fine. You know, he hit a bush on the way down. That child amazingly, miraculously, was fine. And then there was a time where her, her dog tragically died. And she and her husband, she, she, did marry, she did marry Rick, the guy who had been released from prison. And they didn't know what to do after the dog died. It was a big, huge, like Great Dane mix. And so they left the dog's body on their bed for a day. Yep, that's not an advisable thing to do. So they called me to help calm them and to help dispose of the body. So you wonder what pastors do in our (laughs) weekend. I never thought that disposing bodies was going to be part of it, but there you go. I've got a lot of Sarah stories. But to this day, when I hear Mary, it's Sarah's face. That's what I see in my imagination. For all the craziness of Sarah's life, she had faith. She trusted God. There was a time she wanted to make a donation to the local homeless shelter. It was the church, just like here, we'd go and we'd make meals there, make meals there once or twice a month, just similar to what Colonial does. And she wanted to make a donation from her her disability check. And I'm going to tell you, she had nothing. There was zero wiggle room in her budget. And so basically, if she did this, If she did this, I told her, you know, you're going to be eating rice and beans for a month if you do this. So I was against it. I was against it. She challenged me. She knew that God wanted her to do something, to be there for somebody who had even less than she did. She wanted to be good news to someone else. She said, this is what I was baptized to do. She believed that God would provide, that somehow things would just work out. Even though, even so, I I hesitated. I couldn't even tell if she was trying to force or maybe even manipulate me to do what she wanted. And that came into my mind. Or, Or did God actually ask her to share her little money, her might, with another poor person? 
Last week, we heard the story of Zechariah. Zechariah, a man of God, who, when an angel approached him about his wife having an unexpected child, he, he did what Tessa said. He freaked out. He freaked out. He didn't trust God's messenger. Despite all his devotion to God, he decided that this was impossible, even for God. But when Mary, a teenager, was confronted with a crisis of faith, a pregnancy that was frankly a lot more dangerous right away, and she said, thy will be done. I came to reckon that Sarah had faith, trust. Zechariah and I needed a minute to get there. So to this day, I imagine Mara, Mary looking like Sarah, for, all, for whom all things are possible. Anyway, after her receiving her sentencing for punching the officer in the face, Sarah was given work release at the church. And so she had asked the church to be her spot to do that. And so I, I came up with a project for her to digitize decades of church records on the scanner. So she would stand there for hours and hours scanning the, at the copier, scanning and papers. But while she was working there at the church, she, she became aware that I was taking about a dozen or so, or so of the church youth out to the national youth event that summer. And I was going to be doing this with uh, Travis, our youth director. And Sarah said, well, I could come as a chaperone. <laughs> that did not sound like a good idea to me. <laughs> but what if I just, I thought, well, what if I just see her as kind of one of the kids? I mean, she was only like 20 at the time. And she had never had an experience like that, ever. The furthest from Fargo that she had ever been was to visit Stillwater to visit her boyfriend in prison. So she joined the crew. She joined the crew. And we got on the bus. and We were driving from Fargo out to the University of Tennessee. We stopped in Chicago. And we slept on the floor of a church, a church's social hall. But I can tell you this. For all of the craziness of Sarah's life, she was open to the Holy Spirit, powerfully open. She joined the thousands of youth from all over the country at that event as, as they worshiped and as they prayed, as they played together. And I'm going to tell you, I, she was shining. She was so happy. She had a pretty lousy childhood, as you might imagine. But there, her spirit was light. She was church. And she got to be a kid. She got to be free and loved and playful during that event. She was at peace. And on the last night before we drove home, we all gathered, the kids, the chaperones, all of us gathered together in the University of Tennessee Volunteers Basketball Arena to worship and to celebrate the holy meal of communion. And her face was shining with tears. She was shining with the light of God, no question about it. Because she heard the words 
that she was loved, that she was accepted exactly, exactly as she was. Around the table, Sarah found peace. I believe there are angels, God's messengers among us. And they may not look like what you expect, but they come to you and me. They come in our toughest hours. And they teach us how to live, how to give, to guide us with the light of love. So Sarah, she's out there somewhere now. Sarah, I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but I thank God for you. You are an angel. And now I invite you to the table of the Lord Jesus to trust that there is a power behind this ritual that can touch your spirit and reignite the light of God that is in you. To open you to trust that nothing is impossible. And so in that hope, will you join me?